This is your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. Before we get into today's episode, we have another giveaway brought to you by our friends at Mudgear. If you know Conquer the Gauntlet Pro team, if you know OCR, you know we love Mudgear socks. Such a great product. We're going to play this quick announcement, and then I'll tell you how you can win your free pair of Mudgear socks. Hey guys, it's Spartan Pro Team member Ryan Kent. You may know me on social as Drop the Hammer or any of the many man bun nicknames that have been thrown my way, but one of the coolest names I get to hear is when my nieces call me Uncle Ryan. Those cuties, along with my sisters, my mom, and of course my girl Sarah, mean the world to me. That's why Breast Cancer Awareness Month is more than a mantra. Early detection saves lives. So to help spread the word, I'm rocking Mudgear's Pink Compressions for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Of course they're styling all year long, but if you buy yours in October from mudgear.com, 100% of the profit goes to the National Breast Cancer Foundation. So think pink in October and get yours at mudgear.com. So if you want to win your free pair of Mudgear socks, what you're going to want to do is share this podcast post that's on Facebook and tag Mudgear. So again, share this Facebook post about this podcast and tag Mudgear. So you got to use the at symbol, type Mudgear, it'll show up, you click OK. And then also set your settings to public. And that'll allow me to see it so I can enter your name into the drawing. If you have it set to private, I won't be able to see the actual tag. All right, let's get to today's episode. Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner, Evan Preparis. I am back for another episode, and I have the same co-host I had last time, Leah Hensley. Leah, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. We are recording this two weeks before World's Toughest Mudder, so we wanted to do a World's Toughest Mudder preview slash talk about slash hype type episode. So that's what we have going on. But before we do that, a uh, quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Atomic Climbing Holds. Atomic Climbing Holds makes essentially ninja training gear, so rig grips and balance stuff and pegboard receivers and all sorts of good stuff like that. So if you ever worked out in a ninja gym and have hung from the like the little rigs they have going across the ceiling or climbed on their rock climbing wall, you've probably used Atomic Climbing Holds. They are super awesome, and they are also who we're rep- I am representing with my teammate Wesley Kerr at this year's World's Toughest Mudder. So we are Team Atomic. And we will be representing them at World's Toughest Mudder for like the classic team division. Speaking of representing companies, uh, last year Wesley and I represented Merrill. And I do have one of the uh, Merrill athletes on the line with me. So on the line I have Chris Mendoza. So Chris, welcome to the show. What's going on, guys? It's the hype machine. World's Toughest Mudder hype machine. Let's do this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, and for those of you who are deep in the world's toughest mother community, I'm sure you know Chris, but for those of you who are maybe outside that community, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of some of the highlights from his bio. Uh, don't read them all. Yeah, but <laughs> it's a lengthy bio. So I it, just sent you everything I had, so you know, don't read all that. <laughs> no worries. But what I do want to highlight is some of the stuff because we're going to talk about it. So 2014 was his world's, his first World's Toughest Mudder, his first competitive OCR, got 50 miles, came back the next year, got 80 miles in eighth place, and then in 2016, third place with 100 miles, and then did the team relay last year. 
Um, regular top finisher at Toughest Mudders, the eight-hour ones. So typically gets 40 to 45 miles, usually finishing anywhere between first and eighth. And then on top of that, it's done some ultra-marathon running and done some tougher mudder competitions. So also has a sick uh, rap game. If you follow, uh, that, that's debatable. Very debatable. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know if six the right word. Like, it's pretty bad. It's pretty horrible. <laughs> well, it, it is great to have you on the show, Chris. I like to think of you as the people's champion because you always have these like great performances at Toughest Mudder and World's Toughest Mudder. But I remember like the first year they aired it on CBS. You came in third, and you got like no airtime, and like I was upset, and I I wasn't even like I wasn't even the one in third. I was like, "What? You didn't cover the third place guy? This is BS." And I think I, uh, yeah, I think I commented or messaged you, and you're like, "Eh, it is what it is." But uh, yeah, yeah. oh no, it was it was an interesting, uh, yeah, like running a hundred miles and getting third, and then like. No biggie. I mean, yeah, but I mean, to be honest though, it was like they were super highlighting uh austin and trevor like going at it because they were so close and i wasn't like right next to him i ended up like reaching you know austin's uh mileage just because he pretty much passed out on the course but you know (laughs) it's all good (laughs) nice so let's kind of before uh we got a lot of world's toughest questions and we'll do a little bit of predictions and previews coming up uh, but before we get to that so how did you get started in ocr and why was World's Toughest Mudder, your first competitive OCR in 2014. Yeah, so um, just one of my buddies uh, who's actually going to be out there crewing for the, his first time at World's Toughest this year, he just pretty much told me about this, you know, stupid event where you, like, do obstacles and get shocked by stuff. And I was like, well, that, that sounds pretty dumb, and I don't really like running, so that sounds – but the, so the obstacles sounded fun. The running didn't sound fun at all. And uh, – you know, we both decided that we were just going to go um, try try one. We were living um, different sides of the state, so I ended up doing one in SoCal. He did one in Northern California, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It wasn't anything that was like, "Wow, I need to keep doing this." But I mean, like, I ran with a couple friends, and we had a great time. Um, and then to kind of answer your question about World's Toughest Mudder, I heard about it this, like, insanely stupid event. I don't know. I'm kind of, like, an all-or-nothing kind of person. So I was like, oh, 24 hours. Like, that sounds impossible. And I just wanted to try it. I'm like, you know, why not? And the first, like, 2014, they came to Vegas, and I was like, well, I can drive to this. Like, there's no excuse, Chris. You can do this. So, you know, I seriously, I didn't know anyone from the Tough Mudder community. I just, I actually ended up going with my parents, crewing me, showed up. Had a tent, had a wetsuit, and pretty much normal, like, running clothes. I didn't know anything about OCR. I barely knew anything about running. I mean, compared to now, I knew nothing. And I was just kind of like that ordinary guy who just, you know, I played, yeah. What kind of, I'm sorry, what kind of events had you done? I mean, had you done anything longer than just a standard Tough Mudder at this point? Uh, oh, so actually, about a month before... My uh, my mom was like, hey, you should probably, like, run something further, you know, recently. And I'm like, okay. So she's like, you should try to run a marathon. So I ended up running a marathon the October before that November t- World's Toughest Mudder, um, you know, which wasn't, like, a super long event. But that was, like, the only thing I had done. And it was completely flat, you know, obviously no obstacles. So 
that was like my first kind of experience into any endurance running. And yeah, then I kind of just made the jump. Like I said, all or nothing kind of person. So I just, you know, we'll do it live. Yeah. We'll do it live. <laughs> so you, yeah. you get 50 miles in 2014 and a lot of times people will get, will get the brown bib, right? And the, the next year they'll be like, well, I'm going to get the silver bib. And it's like, well, that's like a 50% increase on top of what you've already done. So that's not really a realistic goal. Uh, but then you seem to have defied my logic there and went from 50 miles in 2014 to 80 miles in 2015. So, like, what happened over that year, and how did you make such a large <laughs> jump? Yeah, I think uh, something I had going for me is my disdain and my just hatred to run uh, prior to, you know, 2014. Um, so I, and I really didn't have any running training, run, running background at all. So I think that those huge jumps, it was just because I actually started to train, um, and started to like actually run. Um, you know, I, I played some sports growing up like volleyball and actually water skied for a little bit, but there was never anything like, you know, a structured run training or anything like that. So I honestly, um, I guess I have that going for me where it's like I could see huge gains in like that first year of really training. Um, and it wasn't like anything super structured. It was just kind of like what I would hear of people doing and just kind of um, just go out and start running. So, yeah, pretty big jump. Yeah, that's very, again, very impressive jump there from 50 to 80. Um, yeah, impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I just kind of looked around at, like, what people were doing, and, um, you know, it was just as far as how many miles you should be putting in or, like, doing hill, hill intervals. I remember that was, like, a big a big jump, well, especially from 15 to 16. It was, you know, 15 to 16 was probably when I got a little more structured, but just putting in a solid year of actually being committed to, like, four to five days a week of, you know, doing some physical activity was, was huge, so... Right. And then, so again, then 15 to 16, you make another leap of 20 miles, which again yeah. is not, you know, you're talking about a 25% performance increase again, which is again, like insane. So what did you do between 15 and 16 that made you jump so big? Yeah. So after 2015, I was like super stoked and uh, kind of knew I wanted to do it again. I would say after 2014, for about a month, I was like, hell no, never doing that event again. That was stupid. Cause you know, it was going to be just like a one-time thing. And then after a while, I kind of got that itch to like, you know, race again. And I, I ended up doing some Spartans and stuff. And so, um, that kind of propelled me into 2015, but then into 2016, I already knew like, I'm coming back. I'm going to go for it. Um, and I think a big thing was a couple things is I already had that year of, uh, you know, building up somewhat of a base and I had met more people who kind of knew how to properly train. And so I started to really, you know, my training's never been structured, but in my mind I was, you know, trying to actually do some traditional training, a lot of hill intervals, um, and just go out for longer runs, um, you know, every like month or so, like about 30 miles or so. And just getting all that time on feet was huge. Um, and the other thing I actually did, which, um, I just kind of remembered is I actually went to uh, uh, Rich Diaz's, like, um, I just went to his, his secret lab, quote-unquote, um, and actually, like, learned how to run better. 
because up to that point, I had had, like, zero run training. I've never run cross-country, never did track, didn't know how to run properly, heard about this guy, and knew that if I wanted to get better, I needed to, you know, fix my mechanics, become more efficient, become a better runner. And, um, you know, that mixed with the ideal conditions of that year, I think kind of all just meshed together and helped me, you know, jump up to that 100-mile mark. What about obstacle training and obstacle proficiency? Is that something that, you know, without having that background, did you struggle with at first or were things just natural for you? Yeah, I mean, like, it. I will say I think water skiing kind of helps uh, with some of that grip strength because, you know, I do I did slalom skiing, so, you know, you're holding on to the rope. So I had some grip strength, but, you know, as far as, like, working on bars and, like, hanging from stuff, I didn't have – really any um any other like background in that so i would just do at that time my training still wasn't that great um and i was just doing a lot of pull-ups um not even like a lot of hanging or anything like that and to be honest like i did fail um quite a bit probably like two obstacles a lap but i think that year the penalties weren't that bad so i kind of got lucky in that respect there you go, Evan. There's another sport to draw from. I don't think we've had a water skier before. No, I've not. And actually, I've talked with Jarrett Newby, the owner of Noob Sanity, when I was doing OCR America back in 2016 about grip strength training. And uh-huh. one of the things he said was he was looking towards water skiers to try to pull some of their lessons learned to apply it to obstacle course races, specifically due to the grip strength and the grip endurance that you guys have for you know skiing around. Yeah, I mean, and it, it's funny because it's, like, I didn't – I competitively skied for a couple of years, but, like, nothing too serious. It was just, like, a club sport uh, in college. So I kind of just did it, and I grew up doing that. So, I mean, I never even thought about it until recently that that might have actually helped because the last time I got behind a boat, I realized it was a lot – it was pretty easy for me, and a lot of people struggled just holding on. So so when you, do, when you do water ski training, how long are you holding on to the rope for? Like, so, I mean, yeah, it just depends. Like, if I'm just free skiing behind a boat, like, for fun, like, you can have, like, a 10 to 20-minute run where you're just kind of holding on. Um, but if you're competing, you're not holding on for a lot at any one time because you're, you're just doing, like, one pass through, which is probably 30 seconds to a minute. But you're making, like, these really aggressive cuts um, and, like, putting a lot of force on your arms so you, if you've ever watched a water skier they kind of put one arm out and then they try to get their shoulder pretty low to the water i'm not that great but i mean i can i'm not like the kind of person who your my shoulders gonna be touching the water but you know i can extend my arm out and then you get a really aggressive pull that way and then you do that multiple times throughout a day so i mean you probably have a lot of time under tension and throughout the whole day of training any additional work you put in besides actual practice, like sports-specific practice for water skiing, specifically for your grip, back when you were doing water skiing? No, not really. I mean, I would just kind of just try to maintain general fitness, do pull-ups, stuff like that. But I wasn't, like, super serious into it to where it was, like, something I was training for. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I feel like now um, with OCR, it's, like, probably the most serious training I've actually ever done like at this point in my life, which is kind of funny. Usually it's like you start off younger having like all these structured programs. And now I feel like I'm actually putting in the, the real work. Yeah. 
So what's a week of training look like for you now? Yeah, I mean, so I actually uh, just moved out to Colorado um, in the beginning of July. So I'm super lucky. I have a ton of trails. None of them are flat. And um, I, I don't think I've ran more than a mile on the road since I've been here. So in a typical week, I'll probably go running on a trail, I would say, five to six times a week, um, five to six runs. And then I'll try to get in um, probably two, like, gym sessions where I'm doing, like, intervals, kind of like if you've ever seen a Yancey Camp workout, something like similar to that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then usually um, there's actually a rock climbing gym that I just joined, so I – you know, everyone's doing, everyone's rock climbing now, so I thought I might as well try it out, and so I probably rock climb a couple times a week, too. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, like, basis of what I did. And actually, it's funny, Evan, that you were mentioning the atomic holds, because <clears throat> I just got back from a ninja gym. I've never been to it here, but there's a ton of ninja gyms around here, so I was just kind of playing around this afternoon. Yeah, I saw a video that you just posted of, I guess, you sliding across some sort of zipline thing. Oh, yeah. Actually, Nick Ullman was there, too. We oh, was he? Out. Yeah, he just moved here like two weeks ago. I was like, hey, do you want to go hang out at the Ninja Gyms? Did so, he, st- did he pr- stop like being a homeless person traveling around the country? Is he done? Yeah. No, he's done with that. He actually has a home. Oh, exciting. And, and pro tip, if you're going to go to a Ninja Gym and you're an adult, do not go by yourself because everyone else there are little kids at birthday parties. So you're going to look really creepy if you're by yourself. So at least if you have another adult that you're, like, doing stuff with, not so creepy. So pro tip, everyone, do not go to the gym by yourself unless you want to be considered a pedophile. I will say it, de- it does depend on the gym. So, it does. Yeah, yeah, so, like, I know the the one I just went to a couple weeks ago in Indianapolis, Train Yard, um, I can't remember the number, 317 or 817. I'm, I can't remember the number, but – is it that Indianapolis area code is like yeah. specifically built for adults? Like everything is like adult sized, but I have been to other ones that were definitely more children oriented, and oh, it's yeah. like it's a little weird. You're like, uh, I'm here to work out. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one down here in Atlanta that I go to, it's actually um, Ryan Stratus's gym from American Ninja Warrior. So there's a whole kid section on one end. Um, and then the adult section is, like, the majority of the actual gym. Um, but then there's, like, these amazing badass kids that come and take over things and then, like, make me look stupid. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to go when it's adult playtime and they're not amazing. get shown up by kids. Yeah, they're amazing. They make me feel uh-huh. horrible by myself. <laughs> like, I have one of the staff people come talk to me, like, you know, just asking what I'm doing, what I'm training for. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I'm competing for – like, in my mind, like, this badass 24-hour race. But I'm like, yeah, but these kids are crushing me on these stupid little <laughs> niche obstacles. Like, this is embarrassing. It's I like, feel you. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I'm one of the best ultra-distance OCR athletes uh, in the U.S. right now. Uh, this little kid's beating me pretty good. So Exactly. That's... <laughs> exactly. You it's got like, to be d- humbled sometimes. <laughs> it's like, do you see the CBS thing? Yeah, I was on that. Um, but this kid is this kid's just putting me to shame. So Yeah. yeah. He weigh like two pounds. That's my justification. Yeah. yeah, and he's not even legal to compete on the show yet. Great. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So I noticed, kind of reading through your bio, heavy on the tough mutter. So why? And you, you did say you did. You've done some Spartans. So why tough mutter oh, yeah. over other brands, or what keeps you coming back? Yeah, I mean, well, so I have done a few like Ultra Beasts, um, 
Spartans, you know, I've actually done a lot of Spartans. Uh, I just don't think I've done as well in them. And as I've kind of transitioned, um, you know, throughout the last few years, I've realized that I am a lot better at the longer stuff. And I think I just have more opportunity with the toughest mutters to, you know, run longer. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of one reason I've started to do more toughest. I am super interested in doing a few more like ultra beasts and things like that. Um, but the, I guess the initial thing that really got me is not only world toughest mutter was like my first real race. And it was kind of like, wow, this is insane. This is awesome. But just for me, I really like the community aspect and like the, you know, everyone helping each other out because the races are that long that I'm usually competing in. Um, and I think there's definitely like a time and place for like the Spartan, you know, style, you know, just go everyone for themselves and like grind it, grind it out. But um, I'm also not a huge fan of the heavy carries. And I think that's where I die on a lot of the Spartan in this, a lot of the Spartan races. But I mean, for me, Tough Mudder's just been great. And since they've added the eight hour series, it's like, I only have so much time um, or so many races I can race. And so it kind of just ended up the last couple years have been mostly tough mutter. So. Gotcha. Good answer. Yeah. I yeah. started, I started doing some of the math on like, so I, I make up a lot of my ground in the second half of the like toughest and world's toughest by completing obstacles that I think yeah. other people are having trouble. And I started doing the math for like an ultra beast on how many obstacles someone would like fail. And there's, yeah. there's just not as many per mile okay. and the race isn't as long so I've been like kind of hesitant to, uh, you know, invest essentially to go put, go run an ultra beast recently. So yeah, I, I mean, and to be honest, like I really am looking at um, just kind of seeing what the schedule's looking like next year. I think the mountain series, the Spartan Mountain series, looks like it could be a lot of fun, just because I love running in the mountains. Um, so you know, I'm also of- I'm also not very good on mountains either. So <laughs> oh yeah, see, that, I'm like, that, that's that- what I like. So, well, yeah, I mean, definitely living in Colorado, I mean, for sure. Yeah, I mean, and it's not necessarily that I'm, like, consider myself great at them. I just, like, enjoy running up and down and being in the mountains. So, I mean, and that's a huge reason. Um, I kind of, like, I've ran a few ultra marathons this year, and it was kind of two parts. Like, one, to, like, for training for these longer races that I'm doing, um, and two, pretty much everywhere I ran, it was like a beautiful location. So I just like love running through the mountains, running through nature. That's kind of why I started to enjoy trail running. Not, I'm not like a huge fan of like marathons or, you know, running on the road like some people are. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So you, you mentioned him earlier, Nicholas Amund, uh, last year did a, I think it was a 200 mile run. And I know guys like Tyler Nash, who also a top 10, uh, toughest motor finisher, uh, just finished the Moab 240, and Trevor Sykos, previous world's toughest motor champion, finished uh, some crazy 200-ish, I think, plus mile race in the UK. Are we going to see you do something crazy like that, like a 200-mile race? <laughs> or, or, does that interest you at all, or is that like, nah, I'll stick with the Ultra OCR? Yeah, I mean, so to be honest, nothing like those races don't really appeal to me right now. Um, I will say the races that I do have on my radar that are like long running races, like I would love to run Western States one year, which is the oldest ultra hundred miler in America. Uh, Hard Rock, which is considered like one of the hardest hundred milers in America. Um, 
is another race that I'm like interested in. But these are all things that I kind of have on the back burner. I really want to do, um, you know, focus on OCR for now, just because that's kind of what I'm good at. Um, but if we're talking about like super long races, I don't know if you fo- how much like you follow the ultra marathon community, but Biggs Backyard Ultra just happened uh, last weekend. I just saw something about that. One. Oh man, and that actually that is a super long race that appeals to me. Do you guys know anything about this race? No, I literally like a couple days ago just saw something about it, but I, I it was the first time I had seen it. So it's the same guy who does the Barkley Marathons, who puts that on, and what it is, it's a four point one six 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 mile loop, and you have an hour to complete it, and at the at the top of every hour or what. Pretty much at once, you know, every hour, you have to be at the start line, and then he, like, you know, blows a horn or whatever, and then you go off for your another 4.1666-mile loop. And either you're too slow and don't make it back in time, or um, if for any reason you, like, fall asleep before, because you can make it back in, like, 40 minutes or 30 minutes, and that's going to give you time to rest and recover and eat or do whatever you have to, but you have to be at the start line that next hour. And... The format is last man standing. So, yeah. So it's like just a battle of wills by the end. Like, I think the winner this year was like 270-something miles. And it was between this guy from Sweden and this really badass ultramarathon runner, Courtney Dewalter, who won Western States this year. And actually outright won Moab last year. But Yes, uh, I heard was, a podcast with her. Super yeah. impressive. Yeah, and she's awesome. Like, she's just so inspiring what she's doing and uh but just like that race format where it's you don't have to be fast you just have to have the will to do it you know I don't know if I'd ever considered going that far but I just I like that idea you know because he set it up the race to where you don't have to be fast to win you just have to be willing to put yourself through consistent and grind yeah yeah so it's it's a you know it's definitely a mental test which that one intrigues me more than a lot of the other ones do so yeah yeah, that sounds oh, awful, like, in a good time. way and a bad way. Yeah. I'm about to say, what are you talking about, Mr. Treadmill for two days and yeah, no, Ultra OCR a, for three uh, days? I could totally see you rocking that out, too. I got I got some other plans ahead before I do something like that, so. Uh-huh. That would yeah. be near as, as crazy, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah if, I don't know. It's like, the, the part that appeals is, like, you don't have to be that fast to even, like, be considered the winner. Or, you know, you just have to, like... Because four, a little over four miles an hour, like that's super doable. Like, okay, anyone could do that, but to keep doing it man. for how long, right? And then you, and like that's the thing is you don't know when the race is going to end, you know, because it's just whoever's you're against how long they can go for. So I don't know. It's just an intriguing race, not not something I plan on doing in the next couple of years. But it's just you know when you're talking about those crazy races, that's one that actually does interest me. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I, I actually think when you get to like 200 mile races, to me it almost it's it's a different sport. Like it's essentially trekking. You're not cuz yeah. you're not running the majority of that. At least no, I don't I don't I don't think anyone is. Um so I don't know. To, I was I was following Tyler Nash's splits at the Moab 240 and I was like, dude, I could walk this, but I obviously knew that he was you know, climbing a lot and he was out there for who knows how long. Right. Days. Days. Literally days, yeah. Yeah. So it was it's, insane. To me that's again, 
Evan's personal opinion, but it's no longer ultra running. It's it's trekking. It's a, you know, it's almost a, it's a different sport in my opinion. But just my yeah. two cents. Still very yeah. impressive. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You know, like putting out that much mileage, um, you know, it's just very impressive, both physically and mentally. Yeah. So. And to do that though, it's like you ruin the next like three months. Right. I mean, the recovery from something like right. that. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, like, there's never, like, there's not a race that appeals to me that much where I'm like, okay, I want to take off the next, like, pretty much six months until I am probably going to be ready to run again, like, competitively, seriously. I don't know. Everyone's different, but that just seems like a lot. Yeah. Well, that's why World's Toughest Mudder is my last race of the season, because I I destroy myself. I get sick every year afterwards. Every year. Yep. What's your recovery like for you, Chris, from something like world's toughest yep always sick right after actually it usually takes like a half a week to a week and then i'm sick um last year was probably my best recovery but i also did the team relay so i didn't run as many miles i give myself until like i tell myself like i don't even if i don't want to run then i'm not going to do anything until like january 1st like i have no pressure than all of december it's like if i want to go do something i'll do it but I don't even worry about training or anything. Yeah, I'm the same. I go to the gym in December just because I enjoy it, but yeah, uh, exactly. I basically I stop running. So yeah, yeah. Although I I did sign up for 100k at the beginning of February, so I might have to start running in January at least to get a couple months or a, a month in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll be fine for that. That's that's no problem yeah, yeah. for you. It'll be fine. It'll be yeah, no big deal. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm just, 100K. I'm, no, it's only 100K. Yeah, it's like, only 100K, all right. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. All right, let's talk a little bit more about some of your skills, which include rapping. So where did this rapping come from? And, uh, yeah, just give me some background on that. You also forgot my drawing skills, my computer hacking skills. And your bow you staff know? skills? Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, got cut. Um, yeah, my... My rapping skills. I don't have rapping skills. Um, I don't know if you guys, well, you guys obviously know, but this guy Keith Allen, he just makes these stupid rap videos um, that are really funny. And so I was just like decided, I was like, hey, like we should make one. But then I was like, well, I'm just gonna make one based on one of his like tunes that he did. And I just started, I don't know, just like spitting game. I've never rapped. I don't even really like hip hop that much, or, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't even know where that came from, but pretty much I just like talking trash to him and Maddie Greg. So, I mean, that's just the basis for all of it, really. Well, I have to say that the the rap battle posts in the World Toughest community, for those who who don't know, it's a banter back and forth between mostly Keith Allen and Chris, and they will come up with off the wall just raps towards one another, just talking crap. And they are, without a doubt, my favorite posts in the community. Yeah, I'm debating if I want to come up with one before World's Toughest, like while I'm tapering, you know, to like keep me occupied, or if I'm just going to wait till after. I don't know. Probably after, like once we actually go through it, might be more entertaining. Or both. So how many yeah. times on course do people sing your name to you as a result of Keith's? Oh, gosh. I mean, <laughs> uh, I would say I hear it at least two to three times a lap. <laughs> you almost can't say Chris no, Mendoza without no. applying the tune to it. Well, and that's the problem is no one calls me 
like by my by Chris or anything. Like they all say my full name now, and they think. <laughs> and I actually had one of my friends like say like Should I start calling you Christopher? And she's not in the OCR community because she heard that tune, and she has no idea what it's from. And I'm like, Good lord! <laughs> and honestly, like it, it's so funny now. I mean, like. I get some people are like, you're probably tired of hearing it. Like at the end of Toughest West, they're like, you're probably tired of hearing it. I'm like, no, I need, I need something to keep me going. But no, it's, it's all in good fun. Although I will say that Keith probably won the rap battle because he somehow came up with the jingle that everyone likes to sing as an on encore. So <laughs> it haunts me forever. Yeah. Well, they are yeah, very, so- yeah, go. I was gonna say we do have some we we'll have something coming up in the pipeline within the next month, so don't don't you all worry. Nice. nice. Yeah. Well, the rap the rapping is very funny. Uh, definitely keeps things light, uh, and you also keep things light on the course sometimes. And I'm not sure if you're the first person to do it, but you're the first person I remember doing it was showing up to like. It was, I think it was Toughest Mudder, like wearing a onesie. You know, like the oh. it was like a Cookie Monster outfit or oh. something. Yeah, so, for sure so the Cookie Monster onesie. Yes. So where did that come from? Also, yeah. Give me so the I cannot. I cannot take any credit for that. That is all uh, Joel Forsyth. Okay. I think you know Joel. He has yeah, a Tigger yeah. one, and his sister when he cruise when she cruises at World's Toughest, she wears it usually. But uh, no, he it's had ex- it, and I was like, dude, I need to get one. We need to we need to rep this hard. And it was at a uh, Toughest like Midwest last year in Chicago or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we we rolled in hard. And then the best part was you're super warm after the race, and then you get to go to brunch in your onesie, and everyone else is cold but you and Joel because you know, <laughs> everyone was complaining about being cold. I'm like, we're fine. Yeah, we're nice and warm. It's amazing. So everyone, bring your onesies. Bring your unicorn onesies. I think Raya's gonna rock her onesie this year after the race. Like, nice. we're, go. we're gonna roll deep this year. It's gonna be nice. fun. Yeah. Yeah, Wesley got me one last year that we were, we were planning on wearing on the podium at one point, uh, but I think we called it off last minute. I got a pinky, I got a pink unicorn onesie that my well, daughter. That's incredibly disappointing. I expect yeah, to see the unicorn this year. I wore it after I wore it after the uh, awards bruncheon thing, but my daughter loves it. She like she asked me to put it on, and then uh, <laughs> she I, she wants me to run around the house and like grab my tail. Oh gosh! So, <laughs> nice. Yeah. And I also sometimes I put her in the front like a like a kangaroo and oh. I try to walk with her. That one's that's pretty funny too. She gets a kick yeah. out of that. You try to hop with her too. Uh, I do not. I think okay. we would. <laughs> that's probably safer. safer. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was definitely all Joel. So it's gonna be. Uh, don't worry. We'll bring it back. Although, uh, what was it? Last race, I decided. You know, you said you were thinking about wearing the onesie on the podium. I was all about those Coach T Mud short shorts. You know, ah, what, so are, are those are those the navy uh, the um, navy seal swim shorts UDTs? Oh no, you know, those were just no, like, no. They're like khaki, like, barely cover your butt, barely squeeze your quads in shorty shorts. Yeah, so like the they look like so what the navy seals wear when they go through training is called UDTs, underwater demolition team shorts, I guess, and uh, they they look the same, really short gray shorts that are like. They're fairly uncomfortable because I've worn They're them before. Definitely not those, but okay. They are also slightly uncomfortable, and uh, yeah, they're actually women's shorts. Like all, like even the guys, they're all women's shorts. Oh I really? Yeah, that's why they fit so well. 
Although uh-huh. they don't they don't make my butt look as good as uh, Kyle's coach, so I gotta do some more squats. Squats. Yeah. <laughs> the running doesn't the running doesn't help. I'm mad about that, but it's okay. That's off season goals. So awesome. what are your thoughts heading into the new venue? I mean, we're going to Atlanta, we're crossing the country. It's a whole new venue, a whole new approach. Like, what what are your thoughts going into this one? Yeah, I'm kind of bummed that I can't drive to this one, or at least I'm not going to. Um, I, on the other hand, am super yes. excited because I live East in Atlanta. Coasters, I know, just like super pumped. We're going to go to Atlanta. We're going to go to Claremont Lounge. It's going to get real gross up in there, although they heard they changed it. They, like, renovated the Claremont Lounge. I don't know. Have you been there? I have not, but I have yeah, heard good. the same. Yeah, don't don't go there. It's disgusting. <laughs> My friend was from Atlanta. Took it there. Anyone listening, just look it up. You'll see. It's a pretty shady place. But I've I was never taken there. Of it. I was taken there by a Atlanta native, and um, yeah, it's an experience I will never forget. Uh-huh. It burned into our memory. Anyways, off to uh, world toughest matter. I'm excited. Um, you know, four years at Las Vegas was, like, definitely good. I feel like, uh, like, last year is kind of, like, you kind of lose some of that, like, um, you know, wonder and, like, oh, what's going to happen? Like, mm-hmm. I have no idea what to expect. And, like, people keep asking me, like, oh, like, how many miles do you think you're going to run? And, like, this and that. I'm, like, I have no clue. I have no idea what the course is going to be like. I don't know if it's going to be, like, super muddy. Like, yeah, I, I have no clue. And I'm kind of under the mindset where I can't control what it's going to be like. So I just kind of train and, you know, whatever happens, happens. So, I mean, I'm stoked for a new venue. Um, I'm not sure. Hopefully it's not too humid because I hate humidity. But, you know, it might be something I have to deal with. Um, but, yeah. It's and I know a it's fun gonna... venue. I've, I've raced yeah. a couple times there. It's, it's, a, it's a nice venue. It's freaking cold here. I mean, you're in Colorado, so. Yeah. You're fine, but this past week the temperatures here in Atlanta have plummeted. Oh, yeah. um, so we've been in like the 40, like high 30s, low 40s in the morning, and like today um, it was in like the low 50s. Water temps have dropped. Um, there's definitely water available on course. There's a lake. So it's, and when she means water available, that means to get in and be freezing, <laughs> not yes. to drink. Yeah. Just for anyone who's, like, getting optimistic, like, oh, we have water stations. No, she's not talking no. about that. You're no, they're going to saying. dunk us in the water throughout yeah. the night. Uh, and yeah. it's muddy, squishy, yucky clay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the number one question whenever you talk to anybody about World's Tough. It's, oh, my gosh, how many miles are you going for? And it's, Gosh. you know, I, I fully agree with you, and that's been my answer this year. It's like, I have no idea. It, this is completely different than Vegas. God only knows what they're going to throw at us. Yeah. I mean, like, Vegas, you know, like, it's rocky, but it's, like, all runnable. Mm-hmm. This, it's, like, if it's super muddy, like, I remember this last year at Texas Toughest, like, I could barely run, I could barely walk through some of that mud. And, like, mm-hmm. by through eight hours, your hip flexors are just destroyed because every step is just, like, brutal. But So, I mean, doing that for 24 hours, it might end up, like, being fast at first, but it could really take a toll on everyone's, uh, you know, quads and hip flexors and things like that. So, I don't know. I'm actually excited. It's supposed to snow this week in Colorado, so I think snow running is the closest I'm getting to mud running, like, that aggressive mm-hmm. of mud. So, definitely going to go out for a little jog. 
But, nice. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it's going to be a fun race. Um, you know, 24 hours is always, like, fun and miserable at the same time. Right. But, yeah, I don't know what to really expect. I also don't even really know who's going to be there exactly. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited. Yeah. So the – if you had to guess, right? So I think we've all established based off of the number of variables that, you know, anything can happen essentially. So if you yeah. had to guess, would you say average mileage goes up, down, stays the same? You know, let's say for the for the top of the field and like number of silver and brown bibs we're talking here. Uh, oh, I think it goes down. I honestly think it goes down. Just I would the, agree with you. Just the mud factor. I think that – like I said, it might be fast at first, but people are going to get wrecked real quickly if it's super muddy. And, I mean, Vegas had, what, like 800 feet of gain per lap? And I'm sure they could find that in Atlanta. I mean, I could be wrong. but Yeah, no, nothing yeah. is flat here. Yeah. Um, so, people I mean, think like, it is. And we don't have, like, like we're not going to have that death march up to stairway that, you know, or um, ladder to hell that we had in Vegas. There's not long really steep grades but there's a lot of just everything rolls nothing is flat for a long time i think personally i agree with you i think that mileage and everything is going to be decreased this year i think people truthfully and just talking to people i think people are really underestimating this venue and what it could possibly mean like you know, oh, it's Atlanta. It's hot and humid. I don't have to worry about being cold. Well, right. yeah, you do. And the yeah. biggest thing is too with the temperature cold. Like with the in Vegas, when the sun came up, so did the heat, and it warmed up real quick. So when you were miserable and cold, you could warm back up. Here, we're not going to get that. Right. And I think people are going to be underprepared with gear. I think that while we don't have the obvious elevation i think what you're talking about with your hip flexors and just the fatigue on the legs from the sludge that we're going to be going through like i i think people are going to be hurting this year oh yeah i agree and like the other thing you mentioned like the humidity if it is humid the obstacles are going to be wet the whole Uh night regardless of they have a water obstacle before that so that's just going to make everything slippery I, i i agree with you i think people are underestimating it but i mean i think that happens every year um, you know, in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I just go into the into the race with a mindset like I can't control what I'm like, you know, running into, but you know, just prepare as best I can, and then like take it for what it is, and just do it live and enjoy it. Enjoy the yeah. suck. Yeah. Concur with all that. I think I think overall mileage, uh, the average is going to go down. You know, I'm sure there'll always be outliers and stuff like that, but I think the mud. I think it's going to play a big factor. The Like we were talking about with Vegas, it was – like I used to wear road shoes for Vegas actually because it was – What? It was what? actually – like yeah, the whole thing was runnable. There was like a, there was oh, a yeah. couple of small parts where I was like, all right, you know, like, like there's like one steep downhill back into that like back section in like a, like a ravine. But other than that, like I mean I wore road shoes for the 2014-15 and then uh, 16 too I think. Yeah. So, yeah. And then what about, again, completely shots in the dark, complete guessing here. Yeah. Obstacle difficulty. I know you mentioned the, the humidity, but, like, last year they put – last year's, like, grip obstacles were legit. Like, there was, like, five mm-hmm. grip obstacles on course. Compare that to 2016 and 2015, which was, like, two to three. Yeah. You know, do you think 
we still get around five, or are we are we gonna get a little bit less, a little bit more? Just well, gut so, instinct. Yeah, so I think that we're probably. I don't know if you heard uh, one of the interviews with like Eli and Nolan or something, but they're like gonna set it up to where there might be loops where you can either pick like you get shocked yes. pathway or you do grip obstacle pathway. I so, heard that. Did you listen to that one, Evan? That I did. Was, that that was, was, yeah. World's toughest podcast. Okay, yep. that's what it was. Yeah, that was nuts to hear. Um, I think I will voluntarily get shocked oh, all day, all night. Bring it on! Save me yeah. from those hellacious penalty loops that we had last year. I'll get zapped. I don't care. <laughs> I'm gonna find you on course, Leah, to watch you do this because I I call BS. I I, I say you get I, shocked once and then you start. You're like, I'll take no. the penalty next. But here's time. the thing: no. getting no, shocked with a wetsuit is obstacles. easy. Getting shot in a wetsuit is no problem. I'll do it's it. No big deal. Yeah, I'm fine as long as like you know if I have a wetsuit and like a hood on, I'm like whatever, screw it. Mm-hmm. But operation also is my favorite obstacle. Oh, I love operation. Love it. Like I have no problem with that. If, if you're gonna give me an extra mile of a penalty loop like last year, mm-mm. I'll take but my zapping. I think that there's gonna be like less than like last year, but like an option to be the same. You know if that makes sense. Yeah, I, th- I think that they're going to tone it down to where just getting through it, you can choose to do less than last year. But you know, if you want to do all the grip strength obstacles and like that's what you're good at, I think they'll like, you know, have, that'll be the upper limit. Because it sounded like they they even thought last year was hard. And I think something weird was last year, like nothing was open, and then things were easy, and then all of a sudden, like they opened Ooh. everything and things were harder. Like they added things to the obstacles, which I thought was kind of weird. I yeah, because you know, I noticed they yeah. didn't change it like they did in 16. In 16, like, as the night went on, things were easier. Right. Like, they added the walk the plank thing to Funky Monkey. They, you know, made modifications that you're like, okay, night ops, this is easy. But last year, it was just harder and harder and harder, and it never let up. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, the, like, last year, that's why people were, like, cruising the first like eight hours and we're like oh i'm gonna get 150 miles <laughs> oh damn yeah and then they that. added there was so much water on the course last oh, year God. like once it the night fell yeah uh, it was ridiculous and i swear they like all right we opened the cliff and we uh we so we added this little bit and it was like an extra like it felt like an extra mile it felt Agreed. a lot longer yeah. <laughs> then what they then like the quarter mile or whatever they said it was yeah so. there was a few obstacles even last year that it wasn't funky monkey but a few of them that actually the penalties were shorter than doing the obstacle because of the way they looped it to the cliff i was like it was kind of weird and you didn't have to get wet i remember one of them being like that i was like that's weird yes it was kong because if you succeeded at kong then You you got into the water and crossed over but if you did not succeed in kong the penalty went up and around the mountain and bypassed that water yeah, and I remember yep. on that like one of the first couple laps when it first opened, I slipped off and I was running with somebody, and they made it through, and we both came out around the same time. Me and for actually a little bit in front of him yeah. as he was coming through the water. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping, and I think that they'll fix those things because that's kind of like ridiculous. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think so. I think that was yeah. echoed loud and clear. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they, they did fix it mid-event last year. Yes, yeah. I remember mm-hmm. we're like, oh, we'll take the penalty again. That was yep. easier. And like we come exactly. around, and we're like, this is not this is not the correct path. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this That's is not what we had signed either. up for. Yeah, so. for sure. 
Yeah, it was funny, actually. I remember the reason I found out is because Atkins, because I was doing the relay, so I was also in the pit and stuff, um, you know, switching off, and Atkins actually failed it on purpose just to see what the penalty was like. And then he's like, yeah, I was way shorter, so I'm just going to, like, do that. But then they changed it. So yeah. I was like, of course, Ryan would be the person just to fail an obstacle for kicks and uh, just to see what the penalty was like. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyways. Cool. So before we get going, um, a lot of people like to talk about cold or sleep deprivation training kind of to prepare you for World's Toughest Mudder. Is there anything you do specifically, or do you just kind of suck it up on game day and uh, deal with it? Um, well, for my job, there's days where I have to wake up at 3.30 a.m., so I am in no shape during the week to do any sleep deprivation training. So I just let uh, my normal life take care of that one. I do catch up on sleep on the weekends, but as far as cold, I think that's another reason um, I like being here in Colorado is I've actually just been trying to run without, like, a long sleeve or gloves and stuff when I'm just going on runs just to kind of get used to it. But I'm not like rolling in the snow or in the Creek right now. Um, nothing, nothing too specific or anything like that. I think just being in the cold at all times, like in an environment is good enough for me. Yeah. I'm not going to do any 3am, uh, waterfall runs like, uh, John mm-hmm. likes to do like, no, not happening. Yeah, uh, I can I concur with that. I think uh, sleep deprivation training. I don't I don't think you if you've done it at any point in your life. I think a lot of that carries over, and then a little bit of you know resting up those two weeks leading up to the race, and then basically sucking it up and not being yeah I won't use the word but on game day is <laughs> is how you get through that. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. this same thing with cold. Um, just exposing yourself and training. I've been doing the same thing. Basically running. I've been running in a t-shirt. You know, basically, regardless of the weather. Oh, um, t-shirt! Wow, I'm just wearing so. straight speedo. I mean, just happens now. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Well, you gotta, you gotta well, be real. <laughs> well, well, where I work, I would get in trouble for running around in a speedo uh, outside. Yeah. So Maybe they don't, so. they don't like that. Yeah, videos to come of me running in a speedo. Maybe not. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, and like to be honest, though, like uh, with toughest mutter like the last couple years if you've ran one or two of those and kind of like know what it feels like to run through the night i mean that's more than sufficient i think that before yeah when there like was no night event to even like prepare yourself for and have no idea what you're getting yourself into maybe like you can justify doing it then because you like you know you want to test out what it's like but for most people they've done a toughest they've ran you know, starting at midnight and yeah, I'm under the mindset where it's like these next two weeks, I'm sleeping as much as possible. Heck yeah. Yeah, totally agree. And, uh, if you want to hear more about some of the other top athletes opinions on that in my book, uh, ultra mother and guides, ultra OCR Bible, there's, that's one of the questions in there you can go through. And, um, I, I actually took, I kind of stole part of Ryan's answer there where, uh, right when I interviewed Ryan Atkins, he said, if you're training in, if you're training in all conditions at all times of the year, he's like, the cold will find you. And uh, that's your cold training, and you can just kind of deal with it from that. So. Yeah, nice. So. He, he might know what he's talking about, maybe. Yeah. Maybe a little yeah. bit. Uh, I don't know. Speaking of, did you read that article that John Albin put out uh, online? From I, I think it was on Red Bull? I did not, but I heard about it, and it was on my, it's on my reading list. What was it yeah. about, specifically? 
it was just some of his like top tips and you know like i mean the guys you know either the best obstacle racer ever or this you know arguably or maybe the second like if you want to include Man, ultra can, distance and tmx in there we can get think, into a huge argument about this i don't know <laughs> i don't even know actually yeah um There's i mean well fi- arguments for several people I yeah. yeah so well five times ocr 15k world champion right so mm-hmm. that's not argu- up for debate that's a fact but you know reading through some of his points some of them are really good and then other ones like i would not recommend them for other people i mean obviously he knows what he's doing and he it's working for him clearly but some of his things about like you know he's like i never train with the bucket because i don't basically i don't want <laughs> i don't want to train with the bucket i don't want to you know i want to get through it as fast as possible and it was uh you know kind of not sports specificity type stuff but uh-huh. uh I'd have to read through the and go through each point, but you know, if you haven't read that article, I think it is for all our listeners. It is a good read. Um, I would also caveat it with right, like he's got a very big endurance base and obviously does a lot of sky running. Yeah. So I think I think you can't take all of his tips and just be like, well, I'm just going to do that because you know he's the champion and we should be the same. And it's like, well, you know, large endurance background, large, uh, you know, different person, different strengths and weaknesses. So. Yeah. yeah, and I think that his sky running, it really, like, pulls him through a lot of those, um, you know, like the bucket carry, things like that, because he's used to, like, going just up these massive climbs. I don't know if you've ever ran in the U.K., like, where he's running. It is treacherous. Like, it's not runnable. It's just bouldering up these, things, like, mountains. And I was I went to Scotland this past year and just kind of ran, like, some of the areas that he was just racing in. It's brutal. Like, it makes California mountains seem, like, cush and, like, even some of the Colorado ones. Like, because you're not you're not on a trail, really. It's crazy. So I think that there's a lot of transition because of the terrain he runs on. Um, I personally, like, I respect the heck out of that guy. Um, and just seeing his, his sky running background and what he's been able to do is, like, insane. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I- I wonder when you're at that level, like how much how much longer do you go for, right? I, I mean, I guess it's his it's his 100% profession, right? So he's yeah. he he has yeah. to keep doing it to making money. But you know, well, at some point, I don't know yeah. when when do you like? Let's say he keeps winning for the next decade. Does he just is he just gonna keep riding that train all the way into the ground? Or hey. you know, I just kind of wonder. He'll probably just start running further. You know, he'll be fine. But he honestly he only started running like competitively like four or five years ago you know i don't know like what he did in high school or college but i mean it's not like he was always like an endurance runner um which is pretty crazy but i mean now it's kind of like you know he's just crushing it he's crushing the the sky running series ocr and to be honest like i don't think he gets enough respect in the in the states for what i would agree with you there i think he's very um, underrated it's it's incredible like I don't know. Sometimes, like, going back to, like, the Spartan Championship, like, I was getting mad at the uh, the commentating just because I felt like they were just disrespecting him the whole time just because oh, they don't really? know much about him. I mean, they were giving a lot of love to Ryan, which, you know, Ryan's a great athlete, but right. Alvin just crushes it, you know? And, like, the numbers don't lie. Like, you know, the races he's won and everything, it's amazing. So, I don't I know. I think part of that is his personality. He's not real boisterous. He's not real you know showy like some of the top names are and 
he's he's very humble with his his accomplishments, and I think that it just kind of flies under the radar in a lot of people's minds around here. Yeah, I mean he's he's amazing. It's crazy. And I mean, I guess if you're if you're if you're like a Spartan like fanboy, right? Like that's like all you know. You know, essentially you'll see him once a year, and then he goes back into the shadows. Yeah, but I mean that's true. You know, because we're following him on Facebook or whatever, or seeing him at OCL World Championships. We're seeing him at other times, and we're like, oh, this guy's absolutely amazing. Um, but if you're, you know, in that Spartan community and that's all you focus on, um, I think you just kind of overlook that. Yeah. No. And to be honest, like he's the inspiration why I started just even trying to run ultras because I was like, well, this guy is running like these running races and he's crushing it. So like, obviously there's something there. I'm not doing a sky running series, but you know, and winning it. But I mean, like, I think it's, there's something to be said about his training style and how it kind of crosses over. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, you can't argue, can't argue much with the five times OCO world champion, right? So like, insane, insane. And he, and when he when he wins, he doesn't. It's not like oh, he narrowly you know edged him out at the line. Like he usually wins with authority, and you know, like beating someone like Ryan Atkins with authority is like, I mean, that's that's another level, right? Like that's very impressive. Yeah, because because Ryan Atkins usually does that to other people. Oh so. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thanks. All right, let's. Uh, we're starting to get close to an hour, so let's start wrapping it up. Um, we didn't get to talk about Merrill, so I know you're one of their um, athletes. So, what are you wearing for World's Toughest? Uh, as far as I'm just gonna be wearing, starting out, I think in the All Out Crush twos. Uh, I think just because they're super light and because it's gonna be muddy, I don't think we're gonna need a lot of uh, like support, um, like a thick cushion. Because they do have their agility peak flex, which I also have, but um, I don't know. I, I uh, definitely bring those two shoes, you know, for OCR races. So, um, yeah, and then that's pretty much like my main uh, gear for Merrill. Obviously, be wearing like some of their long compression and compression uh, pants, but yeah, obviously you need a wetsuit and all these other things that yeah, yeah. Merrill doesn't I, I was, make. So <laughs> yeah, I was specifically referring to shoes. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I, I'm li- I like the All Out Crush. I got a new pair of the All Out Crush 2, different from the ones I had last year. Okay. And for some reason, the ones last year, like, rub my inside, my insole, my instep wrong, okay. and these new ones don't. So I'm actually going to wear – so we're doing the same thing, All Out Crush 2s yeah. uh, for World's Toughest Mudder. And last year I ran in the Trail Glove, which is Good very Lord. minimalist. You were not uh, very l- How the heck did you run that race in those? Uh, I, I usually run in minimalist shoes, so it doesn't really bother me. Um, but, it's so, but it's so rocky. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I just sucked it up. They, yeah. they, I was getting absolutely no problems, like, on my feet, blisters or anything like that. So, I, I did enjoy that. But nice. uh, a little more cushioning would have been nice. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> You're crazy. But I'm doing all out crush, too, this year. Thanks. Anyway. Yeah. Awesome. I love Merrill. Uh, definitely wanted to give them another shout-out. Yeah. Thank them for all their support. Uh, definitely a great part of the Tough Mudder community, and I know they're supporting the orphan orphan tent this year. So if you're running without a pit crew and you want to get helped out from the orphan tent, um, definitely thank Merrill and uh, thank the people helping out the orphan tent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're awesome. All right, before we get going, when we have three people on the podcast, we like to do tell us something that people would be surprised to know about you. So uh, we can start with whoever's ready. Uh, okay. Oh, Leah, maybe? Alrighty. Um, 
All right. Well, as I'm sitting here stuffing my face, I um, am a complete sweet tooth candy Mm. addict. And I'm all about, you know, fit life, healthy stuff, protein shakes, all that good stuff. But Sour Patch Kids wear that. Mm. So sour candies are my weakness. (laughs) Nice. Those are good. Big fan. Chris, what do you got? Okay, one's serious, one's not so serious. I got two things for you. First thing, I am actually a super introverted person, which most people don't expect. Um, it's because, like, when I'm at home, I just, like, pretty much work and train, and, like, I'll see friends every once in a while. But, you know, when I get into, like, the OCR community, I, like, love seeing people there. But for the most part, I'm, like, kind of in my own, like, world. Um, that's kind of a more serious thing. Number two... I thought a lot about this. I wish that we had like, you know, walk-up songs, like how baseball batters have walk-up songs. We talk about that all Man. the time in my and little circle. Well, if here's I had a walk-out song, it would be "Cruise" by Florida Georgia Line because that song always gets me going. And it's been like years that it's been out, but I'm like, whenever I'm running the trails, I'm just cruising. I love it. So if I have an yeah. intro song, it's "Cruise" by Florida Georgia Line. So there we go. Yeah, I think about that way too much. Maybe we need to incorporate that into like the, yes. uh, the beginning of worlds. Oh, like toughest mutter, you know, for like maybe the top five, ten, whatever people right. in the series or something. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. Take their song, call I mean, them they, out. They, they do it at they do it at Spartan Race where they introduce them already. So it's like they might as well just have well. the walkout have, song. That'd be sweet. Yeah, that would be really sweet. Yeah, I like that. So cool. Well, for for the the introverted comment, I. I think a lot of endurance athletes are the same way because I definitely feel the same way. I'm a lot of the times I prefer to be by myself, and I, that's why I mean I train for long. I I run for a long time by myself. Uh, when I go on business trips, I typically am not very social, so uh, I'm pretty introverted too. Actually, even though I have a podcast and I yeah. run my mouth a lot in public at uh, OCR events. No idea what you're talking but, uh, about. <laughs> <laughs> so the. Um, like where I work, it's uh, we usually classify us ourselves as like functioning ex- functioning introverts, right? Okay, so like yeah, yeah. I'm I'm introverted, but I can flip the switch and turn it on when I need to. Yeah. I just don't always like keeping that switch on. A lot of times, I prefer to have it off yeah. if possible. Um, um, Come on, we need something new. And, we need something different. And then the uh, the well for the the cheat food. Uh, let's see, for post race, I like double stuff Oreos. That's Ooh. like my go to. And my go-to post-race world's toughest meal was In-N-Out Burger, Ooh. and they moved the race, and now that ruined that. So I'm a little upset. I don't know what I'm going to eat after world's toughest mutter. Waffle House, um, obviously. Oh my god! Yeah. No. Go to Waffle House with Matt B. Davis and get your there dunks. There you go. They're so greasy. It's terrible. Well, I'm not touching that place. But. It's yeah, like clear, I'm not that- a fan, and I live down here, and I can say we have lived here now for. Um, not quite a year and a half, and we have still not eaten at Waffle House, not once. Good for you. Yeah. When I, I did a ra- totally fine with it. <laughs> when I did a Ragnar Relay in Tennessee uh, last year, Waffle House was the only thing open in the middle of the night, so that's where we kept stopping, and like, uh, oh. I hit the bathroom so many times in between my legs. Yeah. It was terrible. And I, I'm the type of person who, like, when I start doing endurance stuff, like, my, my system shut off. Like, I don't have to... I never have to go to the bathroom. Like me either. Yeah. Stupid. But oh yeah, I have to stop. I have to stop. Really? For sure. Really? Yeah. 
Like, never it, it kind of just depends. It depends on the race, but, like, man, I've had some where it's just, like, yeah, you just got to go off the side. Man, it's not good. I remember last year, like, as the sun was coming up at, like, toughest Midwest, I had to apologize be like, guy that I'm running by, do not look. I'm going behind this tree. It was bad. So the only time I've ever uh, had to take a shit in the middle of a race or, like, an endurance anything was – toughest the very first toughest i did so toughest atlanta it was actually toughest south and it was because i ate a meal too close to the start time because the midnight start time threw me off so i still had like food in my system and we're coming around on which would have been my lap eight and it was right before arctic enema and i was like i swear if i don't find a porta potty in the next like a couple hundred feet i'm gonna shit my pants it's gonna be bad well, at least you found good for you i i ran the porta potty and i just (laughs) decimated that thing right no toilet paper, of course. And oh, I was like, duh. So I was in the the porta potty for maybe a minute, 20 seconds, because I was staring at my watch because I was worried about missing the time cutoff. Yeah. Sprinted out, jumped in Arctic Enema, and kept on going. So yeah. This, is, this yeah. is why girls have the advantage because they just don't poop ever. It's crazy. I have never yeah. pooped <laughs> in, in an yeah. endurance event, not once. I've done yeah, three 24 hours. See, never pooped ever. Ever. Nope. Never, no. ever. Yeah, nope. most girls never have. I don't. <laughs> You're like Kim Jong Un, you know. You're just uh, you use all your. You're so efficient. You use everything, so you don't have to poop. It makes total sense. That sour patch right? life. I need to switch to sour patch kids. I'm like, telling you, sour patch kids. Where is that? They will nice. be in my pit. <laughs> nice. Bring some of those. All right, well, we're gonna we're gonna get going again. Before we go, final shout outs uh, for sponsors, friends, anything like that. Chris, you're up first. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, again, thanks to Merrill. Um, actually working with this new company, Arcadum Edge. They make a CBD, like recovery oil and things like that. So um, they've been great to work with. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I'm just excited to see everyone out on the course and stoked for WTM in two weeks. So thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Cool. Leah, what do you got? Um, my main sponsors are Sport Kilt and Pickle Juice Sport. So they will both be with me in um, Atlanta at World Toughest. And shout out to my racing crew, Alpha Racing. Um, same old people I've been racing with for about five years. They're my family. Nice. Awesome. Well, I'm going to give a quick shout out to Atomic Climbing Holes again. Again, me and Wesley are racing as Team Atomic. Thanks for all their support. Definitely some great products if you need to work on grip strength. Check those out. Not only do I use them on my ceiling for, like, rig grips, but I also use them in the weight room for, like, lat pull-down. And then I also take nylon loops, essentially hook them around uh, bar – I'm sorry, dumbbells, right? So I can do, like, bent-over rows or um, farmer's carry using, like, the atomic grips instead of the standard barbell grip, right? So really works on that grip strength. Uh, If you haven't checked out my book, Motor Run Guides Ultra OCR Bible, pick up a copy of that. Chris was one of those guys that I was – I wanted to get in the book, but I already had – a lot of other good people in there, and I, you know, it was, it was, it was one of those things where like you have to make a decision, and like how long are you going to make this I thing? I wasn't um, ultra enough for it. It's okay. Maybe <laughs> next year. Maybe so next I'm year. glad we got you oh, on the yeah. podcast. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad we got you on the podcast finally to talk to you about uh, some of this stuff. So um, yeah, check that out, and then we will see everyone at World's Toughest Mudder in two weeks. And uh, check out Jason Rulo's Tough Mudder Cliff Notes podcast if you haven't listened to that. Kind of some good last-minute prep and final tips to ease your fears. And like Chris said earlier, which I completely agree with, I would not worry about the things you can't control, which is pretty much like 
the majority of the things that are going to give you problems at World's Toughest. Like pooping. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, worry about what you can control. Uh, show up on event day, ready to give it your all, and uh, don't stop moving because when you stop moving, you get cold. And when you get cold, it's hard to warm up again. So... It's my, my words of wisdom there. And apparently Leah says the sun's not coming up and warming no. you up. Leah says, Leah says there's no sun and she doesn't poop. And I don't poop? Sweet. Two good, important facts. Good life. All right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right, we'll, we'll see you all in Atlanta. All righty. Peace.